Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 154. Happy to be with you this evening. Happy to be live on Facebook. Happy to be a member of the Education Podcast Network. Check out all the great podcasts they have there. There's so many to choose from, so many great educators uh, doing uh, podcasts and, and great work. Um, super excited. Voice and Radio Canada, another friend of mine, Stephen Hurley. Uh, great lineup of podcasts there. So thank you so much for joining in. I hope you are doing well. There is the Stephen Hurley from Voice Ed Radio Canada on. Stephen, we're trying something right now. I'm going to try to put comments up. So Stephen, say hello again from Voice Ed Radio Canada, and it's great to see you. So again, yeah, my name is Andrew Murata, host of the program. Uh, leave us a positive comment on iTunes. Leave us a positive comment uh, or for the show, a review for the show, things like that, because it does help us, and it's certainly uh, you know getting more listeners and things like that. But let's get rolling. We're going to meet today's guest, uh, John Eggers. That's right, Voice Ed Radio Canada. And Stephen, I'm trying to see if you can see it here. And uh, John, we'll see if you can see those when we go. Uh, but thank you, uh, Stephen, for tuning in. John Eggers is an educator. Uh, he is an author. He's a peace activist. We need that now more than ever. He lives in Minnesota, and he shared that the temperature was almost 30 below there uh, just yesterday. So I'm hoping he's warm. I'm hoping his house is uh, warm. Uh, but he is a warm guy. He is a, a just really excited. And we're going to talk about graduation rate. These are some of John's things here. And, uh, again, he wrote a a book here, uh, you know, creating educational change in the COVID era, and again, 100% graduation rate. So John and I connected. He sent me some of his stuff, and and I was just like, wow, I love it. And here in Port Jervis, we started uh, Project 90 some years ago, and I said to myself, well, why are we at 90? Why aren't why aren't we doing this? So this is something that I'd love to to, to start here. Um, and before we bring John in, I did want to share to my listening audience, I have decided to change my leadership role here in Port Jervis, and I am going to become the principal at our middle school in Port Jervis, and that'll start on July 1. And for me, that uh, was a, a, an emotional uh, decision. It was, a, uh, I really thought about it, uh, but 17 years, I'm, I'm in my 17th year. Uh, in Port Jervis, and uh, it has been a great ride. I want to thank the very many families and, and educators uh, that I've worked with here, uh, the kids uh, over those years. Think about all those graduates we've had. and uh, But I'm not going far, right? And in terms of this graduation rate, I can help in my role at the middle school, help preparing those kids, use my lens that I have from my time at the middle school, uh, at the high school, to you know, work with our middle schoolers and work with our middle school staff. So I'm excited about that, and I wanted to announce that. But I'm really excited to talk to uh, John here uh, coming up. So let's bring John into the program, uh, and welcome uh, to show number 154. And here he is, uh, John Eggers. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Thank you, Andrew, for having me, and uh, kudos on your new assignment. I know you're doing well. It's a tough job, but you can do it. And uh, just like everybody else out there, education, teaching is tough work, but we can do it. That's what we're trained to do. 
So glad to be here from frosty northern Minnesota. <laughs> and, it, and it warmed up for you today. We're, we're well, at a uh, 14 right degrees. Now it's eight, 18 degrees. I just looked at my uh, my uh, tele cell phone. Gonna, 18 degrees. So you're going to get Call a sunburn. Yes, right. And my <laughs> dogs love it. You know, my dogs love it. Well, I'm glad we were able to connect. I had some tech issues the last time, but you were persistent and I was persistent. And that's what we need in education, right? We need that persistence to keep going. John, tell me about this mission. Tell me about uh, where this came from for you. And, and you know, I, I, yeah. I, love it. I love the concept. Thanks, uh, Andrew. Yeah, it, uh, well, uh, I started teaching in 1964 uh, at a small uh, rural school in uh, in southern Minnesota, it was a Catholic uh, Catholic school. I was teaching physical education, and my gymnasium was the uh, was the uh, was the uh, basement in the church. And we had four pillars in that basement, and so my kids learned how to dodge pretty well around those four <laughs> pillars. So that really got me started. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. And uh, by and by, I ended up teaching at a uh, at uh, on the on the reservation in in White Earth. Uh, Minnesota, and uh, had a student there by the name of Harlan, and Harlan was a very energetic uh, student. He was a really nice kid. Uh, he was a kid that just would not sit still, and uh, I knew that if I didn't find some strategies to work with Harlan, he might destroy my year in my year of teaching. So I was living on a reservation uh, right near the school, and my therapy was taking my uh, canoe, putting it on my Dodge Colt wagon, and going fishing after school. So. And Harlan was always there around. And uh, so eventually I, I asked him to go with me. And, and so by and by we, uh, we uh, fished together and I learned to know Harlan. And I guess if I had one secret, uh, not a secret really, but one piece of advice for all teachers that if you don't, get, if you don't know your students, that's your first priority, just to get to know your students. And as you and your book mentioned so often, uh, uh, Andrew, about relationships, relationships are everything. And so, so, so Harlan and I got to know one another and he became a, really probably the best student in the school. And I left uh, White Earth after several years, and uh, but I would come back and do workshop for the school and so on, and then uh, and, uh, also see Harlan. And after a period of time, uh, probably, let's see, about 20 years later, I ended up as the high school principal on the Red Lake Reservation. And I was looking at the uh, paper one day and happened to notice Harlan's obituary in there that he had passed away in a car accident. Mm. Harlan had never graduated from high school, he eventually got mm. a GED, but I often wondered, you know, I could have done a lot more for Harlan as all of our other teachers could have done. And uh, so every, everything I do with the 100% graduation rate uh, project is devoted to, dedicated to Harlan. So that's kind of how I got me started, one student. And that's I'm, why I don't do it either. You know, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a young person anymore, and but I know if I didn't do this, I'm not sure who would carry it on, so. And you write about it, you come on podcasts about it, and, and you still have a great passion about it. And you've inspired me all the way here in New York. Yeah. Well, me saying yeah. 90 percent not it's not good enough, right? And if, and if John can achieve it, John, did you have people saying, Well, that's impossible? There's just kids that aren't gonna make it, you know. Did you get well, all that? It's in, uh, you know, in order to um, this is the project graduate is not a school movement, by the way, it's a community movement. Yeah. Because schools have been trying for decades and decades and decades to graduate 100% of our students. And with all their good intentions, we just haven't done it. So three years ago, I went to the Red Lake Tribal Council. It was uh, July of that year. And I made this pitch. I said, why don't we propose, pass a resolution that we're going to graduate 
100% of our students. And to do that, we're going to get all the citizens involved uh, and make sure that they're reminding kids the importance of how it is, the importance of graduating from high school. And so they passed a resolution. I didn't realize that, I didn't think they might do it because, as you said, you know, this is impossible. We've never done it. And especially at Red Lake, where the graduation rate is, is 40%. You know, how can we possibly have 100% graduation rate? Well, every student is capable of graduating, as you know. I mean, every student can do it. I've never been a student in all my 55 years of teaching uh, that a student could not graduate from high school. They had the, certainly the ability to do it. And so why can't we do it? And so it's a matter of getting the community involved. And because so many of the Red Lake students also go to schools off the reservation here in Bemidji and, and uh, several other towns, so why don't we uh, just make it a resolution to make sure that, that Red Lake kids off the reservation have the same goal as well as other students too. So uh, I began to go around to talk with city councils and the county commissioners. And so right now we have 407 organizations, uh, including all the city councils in the county that uh, have this goal of 100% graduation rate. And I think we're the only county in the United States that has such a goal. But again, it's not a school movement, it's a community movement, because I really believe that if every, if every, if every citizen, every parent, every, every neighbor reminded young people the need to graduate, it would become a mindset and we could do that because that's how you and I graduated because we had a mindset to do it and we just did it. And, and John, I love, I love this book, right? If you're, if you're not a big reader, it, it, it's not, you know, volumes right. and volumes, but right. you have 152, I don't want to short yet, but I think it's 152 right. things that we can all be doing you know, right. simply as reminding them to graduate, simply as talking about the benefits, simply as right. maybe, uh, putting your high school diploma in your in the classroom you teach in and referring to it and talking about it. How did yep. you develop those 152 things that you have here? Well, again, you know, uh, by the way, I, I really appreciate tough questions. So anybody listening, uh, be sure and ask me any tough questions you have. It makes me grow more. <laughs> After you teach for 55 years and be in education and doing writing and listening to people, you know, you don't really develop your own ideas so much. You kind of pick and choose from other people and yeah. just you just uh, uh, just add on to what they said. So all the all those 155 ideas are things that teachers can do and parents can do right now. You know, things like, for example, put up your high school diploma in your classroom. How many teachers have their high school diploma hanging up in their classroom? You know, kids really aren't that much interested in your master's diploma or your doctor's degree diploma, but they would be interested in your high school diploma. And when the teachers put that up, they can talk about their high school. And uh, teachers also, you know, they struggled. Many teachers struggled to get through high school in one way or another. Maybe they didn't like a class, didn't like a teacher, but we still did it. We were undaunted and we did it. And so that's one of the first things that teachers can do. And then also, Andrew, if every teacher every day reminded their students, no matter what age, of the importance of graduating from high school, they can begin planning this mindset in the in the minds of kids. So, uh, and there is 150 some other suggestions like that. Yeah, and I'm not when I get down to that middle school, I'm not going to call them the seventh graders or the eighth graders. I'm going to call them the class of 2026, the class of 2026, because Absolutely. you're part of that class and, you, and it's your responsibility to graduate. Yep. Uh, John knows we have a live audience here. Uh, and he does want some questions here. John, my the biggest influence in my life about my graduation is watching my mom. And uh, mom, why don't you maybe share something on there that was the importance for us in, in our education, or if you have a question, 
for John, but she's the one that, that got us up. She's the one that threw water on us when uh, right. maybe we didn't get up to go to school. She's the one that made us go to school, John, even when it was right. closed. When we had a snow day, we went. Right. So she's <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, you know, one of the things you said before about uh, it, it seems like impossible to graduate 100% of our students. Well, some schools in the United States do that. Uh, Texas has the has the most uh, number of high schools with 100% graduation rate, 150 some. I'm not sure how, you know, it, it depends on how you count your graduations too, how you count your graduates. Here in Minnesota, uh, we do it over four year basis. So any ninth grader, for example, if you have 50, 50 ninth graders and you graduate 50 ninth graders, you have a 100% graduation rate. And that's how we do it. And uh, so I, I tell schools, you know, you have a magic number in your school and that magic number is the number of ninth graders you have. And if those ninth graders finish, all finish in high school and graduate, you have a 100% graduation rate. So that's a, kind of your magic number. Um, but um, uh, it still is possible to do it. And uh, in terms of the middle school, you know, Andrew, you can begin looking at your at your at your students, for example, eighth graders and and tell your teachers now, well, let's see how many of our eighth graders will graduate four or five years from now. And if only a handful graduate, you might not. Well, maybe there's something that we can do more. And let me, let me ask you on that question, John, because, again, I've been at the high school level here now a long time and, and they they actually drop out in right. high school. But really, right. what, what are what are some key things in there? What are some key maybe ages or steps in that journey that maybe it went south uh, a few right. years earlier? Have you noticed? Right. Is there a key turnaround fourth or fifth grade? Well, uh, you know, people always ask that question about, well, what are the factors why kids drop out of school? Uh, in 1996, um, um, Bill Gates uh, wrote a uh, book or, or uh, founded a program, uh, funded a study, and he called it um, the um, um, the silent epidemic. And what he was referring to was that no one really has done a whole lot with this dropout rate that really is an epidemic. So now in the United States, we not only have a pandemic, we also have a silent epidemic. We still haven't cured that, that epidemic. And in that book, he gives all kinds of reasons why kids drop out of school. And But I think the number one reason, if I had to pick out one reason why kids drop out at least early is because they lack confidence. And you know, think about it. You know, if you, you can get through any situation if you have the confidence to do it. When I was a Peace Corps volunteer and they dropped us off in, 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 in Montevideo and we were young, 21 years old uh, kids, you know, and basically if I didn't have the confidence to say to myself, no, John, I can do this you know, I can go out and I, by the way, uh, Andrew, I coach basketball down there. And, uh, and so, uh, so confidence was a big, was a big part of it. And if we can get our kids to have confidence and then, and believe that they can do it. I know you do a lot of this in your motivational speeches, you know, kids can almost do anything, but I think probably the other reason is that, you know, right now we have kids that are getting uh, C's and D's and F's in school. And uh, some of those kids who get a D average will graduate and that's, you know, that's fine. They get their diplomas, but really those kids really aren't finding a whole lot of success. Well, what if we said to ourselves, you know, why can't we design a better program that would more enable those kids to find success in school. It may be an entirely different program than what we're doing right now. And one of my teaching experiences was at the Wilson Campus School in Mankato, Minnesota. It was a laboratory school, but we had, it was a 600 uh, population school uh, with, it was non-graded. 
and uh, no schedules, no bells, this sort of thing. And it, it worked for kids. We graduated 100% of our kids because the school was designed to meet the needs of the kids. And uh, so this is what I'm really hoping for in, in northern Minnesota. You know, there's two ways we can have 100% graduation rate. One way is to convince all the community and citizens that they need to remind kids of graduating and do that relentlessly. The other way is to design schools that fit the needs of kids. And right now, we do not have schools that fit the needs of kids, especially Native American kids, where we have the graduation rate in Minnesota of around 50%. Think about that. 50% Native American kids don't complete high school. Now, some of those kids may go on and get their GED afterwards, but they don't complete high school. And the same was true with the, with, with the, with African-American kids, too. That's a high. It's a, the graduation rate is around 60%, which is not good. It's terrible. And John, and John, why specifically in your area is the Native American uh, number yeah. so low? Well, again, that's a, that's a whole nother, another another broadcast. That's a separate show. <laughs> really, well, it really is a lot of factors to it. One of them is historic trauma, where where Native Americans have over the years experienced. Uh, just a whole lot of hardships with poverty and low income and unemployment and all that kind of stuff. And if you grew up in that environment, you know, we talk about self-confidence. You don't have confidence anymore. You say, well, geez, I just can't do this. And so that's one big reason. And uh, and plus, too, we just haven't uh, we just haven't taken the time to design uh, schools to fit the needs of kids. For some reason, I, I can't figure it out, really. When I was principal at Red Lake High School, we had two schools. We had the traditional high school and then we have an alternative school, which did fit the needs of kids. And but they, ironically, the uh, the alternative school was for really the kids that were really struggling. And we designed the programs uh, that met their needs, and we graduated 100% of those students. So uh, it can be done, but uh, it's a lot of hard work. Alternative education is a lot of hard work; takes a lot of energy. Uh, teachers don't like to change. Uh, sometimes kids' parents don't like to change, and uh, but it can be done. Absolutely. And uh, you also went to another area where there was a need uh, for, for educational growth. Uh, you know, how did you get from Minnesota to Camden, New Jersey? Uh, yeah. What was that like for you? Right. Well, we uh, my wife and I uh, had just uh, had just um, come out of the Peace Corps. We weren't married at the time and we were married. We got out of the Peace Corps in 67 and we were married in 68. And for our honeymoon, and we decided that we, uh, because the Peace Corps opens, open, opens your eyes up to all kinds of different challenges, we wanted to see what it was like to work in the inner city. And so it was either going into the teacher corps, which was a big, uh, a big program at the time. We also applied for that, but we ended up in North Camden, which was kind of a teacher corps assignment where we had to teach and live in the inner city in North Camden. And then also I directed a recreation program there uh, in North Camden. And uh, so we went to North Camden on our honeymoon, believe it or not, and stayed in the Walt Whitman Hotel, which I don't believe is there anymore. It's been torn down. So I think we're the only people probably ever, you know, to go to North Camden for a honeymoon, you know. <laughs> but it was a great experience. I really, truly appreciate the time in North Camden and working in the inner city. And I wasn't afraid to walk the streets at night, you know, lived in a row house and people knew me, the kids knew me. This goes all, all again back to forming relationships with your students and with the people. And uh, so that's what we did. You know, they knew us, we knew them. And my wife and I taught English as a second language. Uh, and we were the first ones in really New Jersey to do that. It was a new program. And we had a lot of a, a lot of Puerto Rican children in uh, North Camden. And so uh, we taught English uh, to them. So um, amazing uh, experience. And again, 
Uh, tell me now the step before that, you know, the Peace Corps. My wife and I had a chance to, to volunteer as well with Augustinian volunteers uh, right when yes. we finished college. And uh, I actually lived in, in, in Italy and she lived in England, but you, you served in the Peace Corps. Can you tell me about that experience? Well, uh, again, uh, um, I was a junior in high school, in the college at the time, and I, I really got kind of uh, tired of college, and I thought I would want to do something different. And so I applied for the Peace Corps. And in those days, uh, you could do it. You could actually, you could apply for the Peace Corps back in the early days and as a high school graduate and be accepted. Wow. And so you didn't have to be a college graduate, where you now have to be a college graduate, I believe. And so I applied for the Peace Corps, got accepted, uh, went to uh, Texas Christian University for our, our training for the three months and went off to Puerto Rico for another month of training and then went to uh, Uruguay where we were, uh, where we were, um, uh, the, our project was uh, Uruguayan basketball and the basket and the Uruguayans wanted some help to upgrade their basketball teams. And so they thought by having some Americans come down there and teach and coach basketball, they could do that. Uh, unfortunately, not many of the volunteers that went down there to coach basketball had uh, were really that good basketball players, but we knew more than they did. So here's the role of a teacher. You know, we knew more than they did about basketball. And so I had four sports teams that I coached uh, and they were from different levels. Uh, there are no, uh, there were no, at the time, there were no athletics in the schools. After schools, the kids went to sports clubs and it could be a bicycle club, a volleyball club, a swimming club. Big soccer too, right? Pardon me? A big, big soccer shot. I would bet, well, right? Yeah, that was the number one. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, but uh, the Peace Corps experience, I would recommend that for anybody, you know, going out of college, it just opens up your eyes to so many other experiences. And, uh, and, uh, and from the Peace Corps, then we ended up also working in, uh, in uh, Iran for some time, teaching in Iran. And so it's just, uh, you want to get out and see the world and the Peace Corps does that for you. Wow. And then it led you back to working with uh, Hispanic students, Puerto Rican students yeah. in Camden, New right. Jersey. Yeah, wow. it's just uh, the culture is everything. You know, I used to tell my my staff at Red Lake, you know, because it was it was not an easy job teaching on a reservation school. And uh, and I said to my teachers one day, I said, you know, teaching here at Red Lake is kind of like being on vacation. And they said, what do you mean, John? It's tough. It's challenging. I said, what do you mean by being on vacation? I said, well, if you were in Germany, for example, teaching in Germany, wasn't that like being on vacation? You learn different culture, learn different language. I said, it's the same thing here at Red Lake, you different culture, different language. I mean, so take take advantage of the opportunity to be here at at Red Lake and learn about the native culture. And so that was wow. my take on that. <laughs> Fantastic. And with all that experience, right, you have motivated so many people. You have written uh, 22 books as well as over 1,400 educational columns for your local newspaper. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your inspiration here. Tell me about the different well, books, your process of writing, you know. Yeah. You know, really uh, – teachers never really know when their influence stops. And I had a fifth grade teacher, Miss, uh, Miss Reek, her name was, and one time we had to write an essay and read it in front of the class. And so she, uh, and so I did that. And when I read the essay, the kids were really howling with laughter. And I thought, wow, you know, I've, maybe I've got something here. You know, maybe I did. And so, and the same thing happened when I was in a, a junior high school, my English teacher, I wrote something using a beatnik language at the time. My English teacher said, John, you ought to give this to the 
to the uh, school newspaper and put it in there. I said, nah, I don't think kids want to read that. But anyway, though, so those two people really influenced my writing. And that was so writing always came easy for me in college. Uh, writing got me through college. And I've never left uh, the campus unless I had my my thesis and dissertation completed. So and that was because you know, writing was kind of easy for me. But, you know, just because I wrote those books, I always tell people, say, you know, anybody can write a book. But selling the book, that's that's the issue. And you know that too, Andrew, that you have to sell the book once you write it. And that's where the tough part comes. And so I don't consider myself a very that good of a writer. You know, I'm still waiting for that best selling book. And, you know, maybe I'll be another another Amanda Gorman someday, right? She's wow. Yeah, you know, he sure. wrote something up. She'll yeah, be at the Super Bowl too, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we bought uh, our copies of this and I want to make a, an impact on this community. Uh, and get to that number and serve those underrepresented families, serve those kids that, that maybe aren't getting those opportunities for, like you said, a, a cycle of trauma, a cycle of poor educational experiences. And then how can we as the ed leaders, how can we as the teachers help serve those kids? So uh, while it might not be a bestseller, it's going to be a bestseller here in this community. And, and I appreciate your work. All right. Thanks, John, yeah. Let me ask you about the column. Is it a daily column, a weekly column? It's a, it comes out uh, weekly, and um, okay. I started out in 1992, and I don't think I missed more than two or three, two or three weeks since 1992. And and again, it's uh, um, it's supposed to be on education, but uh, but sometimes I drift away from that. But it always comes back to the 100% graduation rate. The paper allows me to put in a little blurb about what the parents and teachers can do to to that. Uh, my last column, by the way, was, do you know Amanda? And mm. uh, and I talked about poetry. And I said, I said, in the column, I said, you know, if, uh, every English teacher right now should get on their knees and, and thank the God Almighty because of Amanda Gorman. If just having to having her read their read her poem uh, to the class should be inspiration enough for kids to write poetry. She did a super, a super job. She wants to be president in 2026. In 2036, so she just may do it. <laughs> wow. And, and again, yeah. to feature her uh, at the Super Bowl, poetry, a young, successful African-American woman, uh, it is really a tremendous thing for our country. And, and yes, as an educator, uh, I'm yeah. hoping it raises uh, poetry as well. Um, John, you mentioned two teachers that had an influence on you, uh, yeah. again, uh, pushing you to write and kind of opening your mind there. But Dr. Don, and I don't want to mispronounce this, is it Glynn's or Glynn's? Glynn's. Don, Don Glynn's, yeah. Was it, was a mentor, he was a mentor of yours. and, and mentor, Yeah, when I came back from Iran, so I had only like three or four years of teaching experience coming back from Iran. And uh, and I wanted to teach, uh, I wanted. I thought it would be nice, kind of nice to teach in a campus school, in a laboratory school. I don't know, if Andrew, if you're old enough, but almost every state university in the United States state teachers college had a laboratory school and it was right on campus and the, the student teachers would what, go there to for their training and uh, every state uh, college in Minnesota had one and the one at Mankato was called the Wilson the Wilson campus school and so I wrote to um, I wrote to uh, I didn't know who he was at the time I wrote to the, the principal and said do you have any openings there and he said well we've got an opening for a fellowship you go into fellowship you can earn your specialist degree as well as teach here full time and we pay a little bit a little bit of stipend but he said also where he says you know when you left her as a i was an undergraduate mankato when you left her as an undergraduate the school has changed considerably by then 
and he had uh, he had implemented 69 changes in the first year, Andrew. Wow. The first thing he did was to turn off the bells. He took all of these all of the teachers uh, belongings in their classroom and dumped them in the middle of the gymnasium floor. And so when teachers came to school at opening day, they went to the classroom as bare. <laughs> and they said, where's my stuff? He said, well, you go to the gymnasium and look for it. And so he started making changes. And he made he made 69 changes that first year. It was wow. a non-graded, non uh, no periods, uh, continuous progress, light of school concept, seven days of the week, and uh, uh, year-round school, and on and on and on. And so that's where I went. And it took me, you know, a little bit just to get used to it. I mean, so kids would come to us in the morning. Every morning we had a, there was a, a different schedule every morning for kids, and and kids would come to us, and and we would uh, they would see what we're offering. I was teaching physical education at the time. They would see what we're offering in the physical education department that day. They'd write down on their schedule a certain thing, then go to the art department or the math department, write down what they were doing. And so a student, for example, could stay in art the whole day. They could stay in home economics the whole day, or they could just sit and read the whole day, or just go to the cafeteria the whole day. A big part of that was the advisor advisee program, and mm. uh, and so that was really important. But anyway, so Don Glines was that was instrumental in, in getting me started and looking at schools in a different way, and he's still doing the same today. He's 90 years old, but still as energetic as, as anybody I know. In fact, we're working on another book right now uh, together. But uh, he, he and then he ended up being the a uh, consultant for the State Department of Education in California, was responsible wow. for getting year-round school started in California. At uh, one time, made 1,500 keynote addresses around the United States to all kinds of educational conferences. So he was a big name in education at one time back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Wow. Well, fantastic. And he had an impact on you. And yeah, yeah, he did. are still impacting others. So fantastic. John, we're going to get to rapid fire here. It's a fan favorite part of the show. Uh, but before we do that, was there was there any other messages uh, maybe to any parents listening or any teachers that are listening uh, about, you know, things that they could do to, to again, continue well, to improve in our education? When you get back to your schools, teachers or, or, or parents too, ask your, ask your Board of Education what your graduation rate goal is. If it's not 100%, Try to persuade them that it should be 100% because every student is capable of graduating. And if it is 100%, you know, don't just keep it a secret. So often, in fact, in most school districts, the only people who know the graduation rate goal is a superintendent. And maybe a few of the principals and maybe maybe the school board chair. It should be a community kind of a thing. And so, you know, get that uh, broadcast that loud and clear throughout the throughout the community that our graduation rate goal is 100% and everybody is, is should be telling kids you need to graduate. If we all did that, it's like wearing your mask. You know, we learned how to wear a mask within a period of, of several weeks. The importance of that, we can do the same thing with the graduation rate. Amen, uh, John, I love it. Let's get rolling rapid fire. Uh, these are quick answers. The first thing that comes to you, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> He's ready, here we go. Last book. Last book you read. Last book I read was The Camino uh, Wind with John, John, John Grisham. It's a great book. Uh, yeah, great uh, yes, <laughs> that was good. Uh, last movie you saw? I saw a movie last night. It was uh, called uh, Radio Days, a Woody Allen movie. Woody Allen my favorite director, writer, and he does some great work. Radio Days is an old movie, but it's a funny, funny movie. 
You've traveled the world. You mentioned some of the places. Where's been your favorite place to travel? Uh, you know, it's hard to say, but I, I think just going to Red Lake, uh, visiting the reservation is uh, like going back into another country. I know the people. I know some of the language. I, uh, I enjoy the culture. So I think just going to Red Lake, is, which is about 15 miles from where I live now. Yep. Are they closed, John? Is it like a private? It's, a, it's one of the two reservations in the United States. It's a closed reservation. They're their own sovereign nation. Oh, At wow. one time, when I first started there, uh, teaching there in 1985, we had to have a passport to get on the reservation. It was kind of a gimmick, but they just wanted to show people that were their, their sovereign nation. They have their own tribal courts, police force, and so on. Uh, of course, tribal government. But, but, their, but their school is a public school, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Okay. Uh, you talked about a 100% graduation rate. We know that's a passion of yours. Uh, writing is a passion of yours. What's something that gets under your skin? What's a pet peeve of yours? A uh, pet peeve of mine is uh, superintendents uh, that don't realize that retaining and gaining students is should be their primary objective. Mm. When they lose students, they lose thousands and thousands of dollars because of the state aids. And so why can't they make it a, uh, a priority to get those students back? Then they won't have to worry about passing referendums and and uh, and getting money to build new schools. Just retain those students and attract more students. Open up schools that will attract you. With I don't know if in New York, but do you have open enrollment in New York, Andrew? Where other school districts can yes. can go to your school district? No, you have to. You go in the community that you live in. Okay, yeah, okay. In Minnesota, we have open enrollment, so so uh, kids in a neighboring school district can go to Bemidji, or kids in Bemidji can go to Black Duck, for example, oh. which. Uh, there is an element of competition there, but which is good. And so it behooves school districts to make to create the most attractive schools they can, but they really haven't done that much. Uh, to, you know, it, it really hasn't uh, it really hasn't uh, progressed into really being that much. And so, um, um, but anyway, uh, uh, I forgot your question again. <laughs> That's okay. We we had asked about a, a pet peeve of yours, and you had talked about losing. Oh, pet peeve, yeah. Superintendents, right, who don't do more to retrain and gain students. Sorry. Okay. Right. I know in a successful school when I see. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the reason why I went in to teach because of the smell of the school. When I left uh, Waterville High School, a small school, and my graduating class was 60, I just, you know, I, I didn't want to, every time I walked into high school, there was a certain smell there. Of a deal of a, of a chemical formula, maybe the, the locker room smell, but every school has a distinct smell, and I guess I wanted to teach him because of that smell. And uh, so when I would go into a school, it's the first thing I notice is a smell at school. Boy, it's great, you know. <laughs> it was a good smell, you know. Even uh, even some of the inner city schools and school I've been in, you know, they all they all have their own inviting smell. It's just it's terrific, you know. <laughs> Best purchase under a hundred dollars that has had a great impact on your life. Well, uh, it'll probably be. I have a a black, a, a pretty good sized black sled that I use that uh, probably would cost me about thirty bucks that I use to haul wood in. Mm. And so I load my wood in the black sled, haul it up the stairs. I get my exercise the same way, and uh, and it doesn't seem to break. I throw it from the from our balcony down in the snow and ice. It doesn't seem to break, and it. Uh, and so that was a good purchase. <laughs> I like it. Something about John Eggers that people do not know about. Uh, when I was uh, in fifth grade, for some reason, I developed a speech impediment. And it was with me for 10, 20, 30 years afterwards. 
doing something like this, I could never have done this. And wow. so I joined something called International Toastmasters. And I'm sure you have a club, probably you have a club in the Port Jervis. Uh, usually large communities do. But I joined Toastmasters and because it forced me to speak in public, that's what I needed. I need I needed someone to kick me in the rear and, and evaluate my speak speaking. And even though I could teach pretty well, and I was also homecoming king and grudge and the football captain, I could not do anything like even getting on the phone, asking a girl for a date, uh, speaking in on a panel was just it was just worse than getting Nova King, worse than going to the dentist. You wow, know? that's interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that. Because you're a long time to get over it. Yeah, it took me a long time to get over it. It's like the movie The King's Speech. Kind of like that. Yeah. If anyway, if you know of anybody that has a speech impediment, well, I tell you, it's 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 a struggle. It's really a struggle. Our current president, right? He had one. Right, and so did uh, so did Amanda Gorman. Yeah. Well, they they got over. She got over pretty quickly, you know. And uh, although I think Biden had to struggle with a little more than sure uh, he did, but nevertheless they they did lick it. John, we're at the end of our show here. I'd love to end with a quote. Uh, do you have one that's a favorite for you? Yeah, uh, I learned a lot since I knew it all. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot since I knew it all. Boy, I put that on my tombstone. <laughs> well, you're learning, you're teaching. Uh, I love your message. Uh, you are a breath of fresh air, and uh, you know you're not someone who's given up on education. You know no. we we want to continue to improve and grow, but you're you're still plugging away. Thanks, Andrew. Really appreciate it. Well, I like to you your assignment. And uh, well, thank you. Uh, John's uh, uh, website is at the bottom here, uh, johnrogereggers.com. If you're interested in having him come speak to your school board, your administration, uh, he's, he's very he's not shy about that. John, what would be the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, they could go to my, uh, well, they can go to my website because all the information is on there, my, my email address, my phone number. So that would be that would be uh, just fine, you know. Or they could just contact you and get your phone number, or get get your email uh, from you, and they could uh, I could email them. They could email me and so on and so forth. But yeah, absolutely. And that website's on the bottom. If you're watching here, or if you're listening on uh, iTunes, it's johnrogereggers.com. We are going to bring our uh, song back up here. And uh, John, I want to thank you again. This was show number one fifty four. Everyone. Uh, John Eggers and uh, I'm Andrew Murata, the host of the program. I am at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. Be safe. Continue to work hard for your schools and your communities. And thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. John, stay on the line, John. Okay. All right. Let's get this music.